farm in central Washington, getting one of the largest worker safety and health fines in state history. What? What's going on here? And who to believe? Gebers Farms fined more than $2 million by the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries for COVID-19 rule violations. But what's the real story here? Those fines are massive. So you have to, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, were these workers like terribly sick? And, you know, we heard at the time about, you know, COVID outbreaks in central Washington. And initially there were a lot of folks, including activists based here in our community, we know who we're talking about here, who were trying to blame that on the farms and, and agricultural work. And then as we saw the numbers, uh, and even heard of officials eventually coming out saying, no, no, it was actually the farm workers were were doing better and staying safer in the workplace. It was community spread that was going on in eastern Washington. So what was the deal with this farm? And why is the State Department of Labor and Industries coming out with this now? I, you know, It raises so many questions, and I feel I have to be skeptical both ways. This is The Farming Show here on KGMI News Talk 790. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Glad you're here on your Saturday morning. Um, so I, I figured, you know, if this comes out, let's get, let's get the straight story. What really happened? Joining us right now is a, a spokeswoman for Gabbers Farms, Amy Philpot. Welcome to the program this morning. And this is a tough one. Um, and, and I want to find out what was going on on the farm and now what is happening with L and I that they're setting new record. I mean, remember the last records I believe set on fines that was here locally for stuff at, at Sarbanan farms. And we know how much of a fiasco that truly was behind the scenes, as far as the dishonesty that went into pressuring state agencies to, uh, give, record fines at that time i that makes me immediately suspicious of what happened here amy welcome and gosh the folks there at gebbers have to be reeling from this trying to figure out what to make of everything good morning dylan it's a pleasure to be here appreciate the the uh, opportunity to speak to your listeners absolutely i i want to start off though with a statement that the gebbers family asked me to share with your listeners sure because Gebbers is a family farm, right? They're a large, you know, apple and cherry operation, but they're still operated by the Gebbers family. Absolutely. And the Gebbers family has been in the uh, Okanagan Valley for over six generations. They live and work in the communities that they serve. Uh, so this is this is the statement that they wanted me to share with your listeners. Sure. The Gebbers family extends their most heartfelt condolences to the thousands of families who have lost loved ones in the pandemic. Gebbers Farms, too, has lost members of its team, and it mourns those losses. Our hearts go out to their families and friends during this holiday season. Hmm. So they're obviously not saying, oh, we don't care. And I know, you know, I have some 
kind of somewhat distant, but some connections to the Gebers family behind the scenes. Like I know some of these people, at least at arm's length, I know they're good people and they really care. Yet if you look at the accusations from the State Department of Labor and Industries, it makes it sound like these people are awful and we're totally ignoring um, the need to keep their their workers safe in the midst of, of a pandemic. Talk about what was the farm doing was the farm i've heard things that the farm was one of the you know like cutting edge operations as far as as working on these issues so it's shocking to me to see these accusations from lni yeah it's a great question dylan um, very early in the pandemic back in february the farm worked with their county health officials to provide information and and educate employees remember uh, back in February, we knew far less about this virus than we do today, and that includes regulators and health officials. Yeah. Right? We've all we've all been learning as we go. Um, yeah, that so was back in the like, are masks a good thing or a bad thing? Remember early on, even Dr. Fauci was not even clear on that. Nobody really knew what what was the right thing to do on a variety of fronts. That's right, exactly. And in fact, there was a period during the summer where. Uh, the instructions or the guidelines for essential workers said wear masks, but the guidelines for community uh, said don't wear masks <laughs> or you don't or you don't need to wear masks. It's completely voluntary. And so you have uh, very different instructions going out. And of course, essential workers after work are members of the community. Right. So um, so you're right. It, it, it's been a, a learning process for everyone all year long. And the farm really worked hard to get out in front of it. You know, very early on, they consulted with an infectious disease specialist uh, and developed a COVID prevention program focused on cohorts, cohorts of 42 persons. And those workers remained separate from other cohorts. You know, the workers within each cohort shared the kitchen, eating, washing facilities. They worked in cohorts. Uh, they rode the bus together in cohorts and remained separate from other co cohorts. In other words, the program that Gebers Farms put together with this specialist is very similar to the program that the state later um, made mandatory. And you're saying so, that, that Gebers was working with this disease, infectious disease expert as far back as February? They began working with the specialist uh, in May. Okay. And so yeah. they were developing those things and already implementing those on the farm that, that early on? Their program was already in place when the state rule came out. So when the rule came out calling for 15-person cohorts, it's much, very different than the 42-person cohorts that the uh, company developed. Well, the, so, the number is, but the concept is, is the same idea. I mean, the whole idea is to keep stuff from spreading. That, that's that's absolutely right. right, you know, and you bring you bring up a good point because there's no fifteen is isn't a magical number, right? There's no research or studies behind the number fifteen. Uh, in fact, if you look at the size of the uh, community gathering recommendations now, it's 
fewer than 15, and yet cases are skyrocketing. So so nothing special about the number 15, except that it is the number that the state chose to put in its rule. So we had to retool all of our operations, Mm -hmm. which for for an operation our size Mm -hmm. doesn't happen overnight. I mean, just ordering extra materials to enforce all of those extra cohorts, uh, you know, takes time. Well, and just I think to get the, the material. The important thing here is that the that the farm should be doing, that the state should be doing, is trying to keep workers safe and trying to slow the spread of this pandemic for the workers sake and for the community's sake and it sounds like you guys at gebber's farms had a plan in place already before the state came out with a plan to do that i mean that was your intent and it was similar to what the state eventually ended up deciding on after and i can inject this here because i know I, i talked about this a lot at the time after all of the delays in coming out with that, uh, brought on not only by the state's maneuvering, but by activists' involvement uh, and meddling in the situation when the whole thing could have gotten ironed out a lot sooner as far as the state's perspective. But you guys were already doing uh, something very similar. And the spirit of the law should be the important thing there, especially knowing, as you were saying, all of society, country by country, uh, state by state, people were trying to figure out what was the right thing to do, and you guys were trying to do the best thing. Now, my understanding is, and by the way, we're talking with Amy Philpott. She's a spokeswoman for Gebber's Farms. They were um, fined uh, by the State Department of Labor and Industries, a record-setting fine, $2 million for COVID-19 rule violations. So we're digging into what are those and what was really going on in that farm. I'm already getting more suspicious as I talk with you, Amy, of um, I's position on this. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I have reason to be very skeptical of how they approach these things because of how politics I know and how they've admitted plays into some of the decisions, including fines that they issue, which I think is ugly, but we can get into that later. But again, the big point here is keeping people safe. You guys had a plan and... Then, correct me if I'm wrong, the process at that time, um, because I was covering it here on the program at that time, was a farm could have a plan, the state then had their rules, and a farm could present their plan to the state because there are inevitably going to be small differences in you know the size of cohorts and little details, again, that were just being ironed out by society as a whole at that time. You could then submit your plan to the state and say, okay, here's our plan. Take a look to see if this will fit um, for what we can do and, and keep operating on the farm. Did you guys, did Geber's Farms do that at that point? We did. We did. We submitted variances for our plan. Uh, but unfortunately, L&I took six months to get back to the company. So six, uh, by six then months, six months. So the, the season was over. The workers had gone home by the time they said anything. That's correct. <sighs> yeah. It, the 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 uh, variances as I said, were submitted in summertime, and it wasn't until well after the end of the season that we heard back. I mean, if the, um, intent, if the intent is making sure rules are protecting workers, that needs to be done yesterday. 
<laughs> when that happens, you know, in the midst, in the thick of it, in, in May and June and July, that information is needed right away. If they really cared about making sure you guys were taking care of workers there, why didn't they come out and, you know, check out your plan immediately? I don't understand that. Because we did not hear from L&I regarding our variances, we complied with the 14-person cohort system. And on July 27th, the LNI issued an OIR, but that also happens to be the same date that Gebers Farms came into compliance with the state rule. Okay, OIR, that's a, uh, and I'm just looking in LNI's release here, that's an order and notice of immediate restraint to the farm requiring immediate COVID 19 safety and health rule compliance. But you said that was when you guys were in compliance, part of the process that you were working on. That's correct. That's correct. Just this week, Dylan, a judge with the Board of Industrial Insurance Appeals ruled that on July 27th, Gebers Farms was in compliance with Mm. the state rule. That's the same date that this notice came out. So to answer your question, what did the farm do? We believe that the COVID prevention program we developed in consultation with this infectious disease specialist did meet public health goals and it did protect workers. But based on LNI's actions, we retooled all of our operations to meet the smaller cohort grouping, the Mm -hmm. 15-person grouping. And on July 27th, we were in compliance with it. And yet, they're now saying, well, you weren't in compliance. And I'm just reading their press release. They're saying a lot of really nasty things. It makes it sound like Gebers Farms just really didn't care about workers. But that's not adding up at all with what I'm hearing from you that the farm was doing. It sounds like the farm was doing all kinds of stuff to try to make sure workers were safe in the face of the pandemic. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that this release is so disappointing. The tone and the spirit of the department's release is just uh, completely off base. Uh, The company has been working tirelessly since day one to protect workers. It deeply cares about the health and safety of workers and, and has done both under its program and now under the state's program, has done everything possible to provide that safe work environment. And, you know, Dylan, when we consider at the end of the summer, when all of the workers at Gebers Farms, the entire workforce was tested for COVID-19 and 99.3% of the entire workforce tested negative for the virus. So at the end of the day, those numbers are way better than the the community at large around the farm or even the state as a whole, even the nation as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is less than 1% positive, 99.3% negative. So again, back to where I started, so, I mean, the spirit of what you should be doing and what the state should be doing should be about protecting workers. And that shows that workers were being protected, that the folks at that workplace, Geber's Farms, were safer and healthier than, the, than society as a whole by quite a bit by the numbers that you're saying. And yet they're fining the farm a record setting amount of over two million dollars because of nitpicky letter of the law stuff 
Is that what's going on here? I, I, I just, I'm flabbergasted by how this happens. Well, the, the family is expected to appeal, but I'm with you, Dylan, and so is the family. What is most important here is that the fine does not change the fact that Geber's Farms has always worked to keep its employees safe. And, you know, whether, as I said, whether that's under the old program that we developed with a specialist or the state's. Uh, there's nothing more important than the workers' health and safety. And that is what Geber's Farms works toward every single day, and they always have. Yeah. I know another thing here is, you know, and this is what made the news as well, you know, a couple of workers tragically passed away from, from COVID-19. They worked for Geber's Farms. Um, I, I think, okay, well, that, you know, that's very troubling and very sad, but at the same time, society-wide, many, many, you know, as we continue to hear the numbers rising, thousands, now hundreds of thousands of people have passed away. There are a lot of workplaces represented, certainly among all of the people that have uh, tragically passed from this awful disease. Uh, and, and so, you know, with all the publicity that that God, at that point, I, you know, I wanted to know, okay, why is everyone making so much noise about what was somehow, was this farm to ca- you know, ca- a cause of, of these deaths? And I don't see anything in the accusations about that. Um, I, I, you know, it, I, when it comes down to brass tacks, the, the $2 million comes from, quote unquote, 24 egregious willful violations, 12 for unsafe sleeping arrangements and 12 for unsafe worker transportation. Each of those 24 was assessed a penalty of $84,000. Farm also cited for four other serious violations, including not reporting a fatality, which sounds like a record-keeping and HIPAA thing, um, from what I understand about it. It, it, The more you dig into this, you think it it just brings me back to what happened here in Whatcom County, where, you know, terrible things grab the headlines, and then you look at fines that happen later, and they have nothing to do with those things that grab the headlines, yet, you know... People in the general public, like myself, are left thinking, "Well, hmm, yeah, something bad must have been going on there." When it when the story doesn't line up at all. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, these the the, the workers who very tragically uh, succumbed to the virus were longtime employees of the farm, and quite frankly, were considered family. I mean, at at the very beginning of the show, I read a statement from the family and they truly mourn the loss of of these workers. Um, The sad thing is, Dylan, is that this is the same tragedy that is going on in the community, in the state, in the country and around the world. Um, It it really is a, a tragedy. And hospitals, universities, essential employers, uh, they are all doing their very best to protect their workers. And we all know now, in hindsight, that community transmission plays a a very significant role in this. Um, And we have to, we have to work together. The, The employers and the communities have to be giving the same messages to people so that, you know, you aren't wearing a mask while you're at work. And then when you go home, you feel like you don't you don't have to. I mean, I think we know that right. now 
that message has gotten out today, but back in the summer, that was not the case. Yeah. This is, this is very frustrating to me because I don't see this fine, this $2 million helping anyone or keeping anyone safe. Uh, and that's what our focus should, should be on. Uh, and our focus should be on results, not on nitpicking the letter of the law, which we know in the, the unfolding situation that we have ongoing as we speak with this pandemic, um, you know, things are changing constantly about what the, the best things are to do. Why go down this road? Yet it makes me feel sick to my stomach in a way, Amy. And again, we're talking, this is the farming show here on KGMI. Uh, we're talking with Amy Philpot. She's a spokeswoman for Gebbers Farms in central Washington that uh, the State Department of Labor and Industries decided to fine more than $2 million for COVID-19 rule violations this is exactly, and again, this is what makes me sick to my stomach. This is exactly what I said. And people said I was fear-mongering. I was uh, overreacting. I was assuming the worst at the time. But when this was all going on, the haggling about the rules and where L&I was and the pressure that the activists were putting on this, at, while farmers were doing all kinds of stuff in the field to actually protect people and back and forth confused on what to try to do and, and this seemingly disconnected process happening in Olympia over what the rules should be. I, I said, this is going to end up being a thing where people are attacked and fined and nitpicked on every last detail because of all the stuff and the pressure that went in and the publicity and the politics that went into setting these rules. It wasn't actually about keeping people safe. It's, it's about something else. And this is me talking. I'm not putting this on you, Amy, but, but I talked about this a lot in the spring. And again, I know people at the time said, Dylan, you're just, you know, you're jaded. You're too skeptical of the state. And this, to me, proves my skepticism at that point uh, because I, I just can't make any other sense of why the state would be taking a move like this and, and taking the, the ugly tone that they have rather than a cooperative one that's actually focused on trying to make people safe. Yeah. So, you know, Dylan, I, I think what the family wants to focus on right now is is protecting the workers. So Gebers Farms will have to address the fine. They are expected to appeal, but I don't want to lose sight of what's important here. They are not going to let any of this distract them from continuing to provide a safe work environment and continuing to put worker health and safety first. And that really is the most important message here. Well, and I will say, and again, this is me, not you. So, you know, for those of you listening, this is this is Dylan's opinion. But based on what I'm reading here uh, from the state, from the State Department of Labor Industries, what I'm seeing in Geber's statements and what, what I'm hearing from talking with you in detail now here about this on the program, I could say that's sounds like that's the farm's focus. And it sounds like the proof is in the 
the pudding, the results of, you know, protecting worker health and safety is borne out in, in the data of, you know, infection, low, low infection rates among Gebers Farms workers. And it's, it sounds like a success story. It, it sounds to me like you guys actually do care about protecting workers and you're succeeding in doing so. From what I'm seeing here, it doesn't appear that the State Department of Labor in, and Industries is interested in that issue at all. They're more interested in issuing fines and finding little nitpicky details, which it's anyway i I'm, I'm getting frustrated and people who've listened to me on the radio for a long time know that happens from time to time when i'm behind the microphone more often than not actually but this is really disheartening and it seems really unfair i'll be very interested to follow the appeals process and i really hope that there is some way this can be made right but certainly the things that they're saying which after talking with you amy the things that the state department of labor and industries is saying in their you know press communication about this i am that much more skeptical of and disheartened by the antagonistic angry tone that they're taking towards geber's farms that appears to be trying to do everything right and trying to protect workers and follow all these intense state rules that keep evolving it's Ah, this is this is a new low, if if you ask me. And we know from what happened with Sarbanan Farms, we know from public records requests um, and interviews with uh, leadership at the State Department of Labor and Industries that after that record-setting fine, which I think was just under a million dollars at that time, again, uh, you know, a, a, an awful situation where a worker passed, but the a worker dies but then we find out later that the the worker's death didn't have anything to do was not caused by the farm was totally unrelated yet because of the publicity generated and th those are specific words that that people within LNI have admitted to um, even though they balk at that and 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 dispute that publicly now i, I think they maybe uh didn't they regret having admitted that but at that time they said that those fines the the incredible um extent to which they find that company over unreal you know violations you know late lunch breaks and rest breaks that was the issue at that time with Sarbanan farms here in, in whatcom county and sumas you know a lot of them were, were you know a rest break or a lunch break was five minutes late or something like that, giving, I think, a three-quarter of a million-dollar fine for that. It only made sense once they admitted it was about publicity. And, and I just cannot help but be very, very skeptical uh, of what is going on behind the scenes right now with this situation. And my heart breaks for the workers, for the folks who have... have uh, experienced real tragedy in this pandemic and my heart breaks for even the public sense of the legitimacy of their governance and and the agencies that are supposed to be focused on keeping people safe when they seem uh, more interested on finding ways to generate fines and uh, publicity and satisfy activist groups uh, than they are about the real work of of keeping the state moving and keeping people safe while doing it in the midst of a pandemic there's my soapbox moment. Uh, I wasn't planning on that, but uh, everyone, thank you for obliging me. I, I think there's a lot going on here that, that really saddens me and should sadden the rest of us. I, I thank you, Amy Philpot, who's been with us, a spokeswoman for Geber's Farms. Um, so I, I think we've kind of covered generally what went on. 
Um, and I don't know if there's much left for you guys to say. I really appreciate you sharing that statement from the Gevers family, and I'm, I'm sure they're heartbroken over all of this as well. In fact, I, I, you know, I've talked with some of the you know, folks connected with the family, and I know internally they are very, very saddened by all of this. Dylan, thanks so much for having me. And on behalf of the Gebbers family, thank you for uh, listening and and letting us tell our story. We truly appreciate it. And we want to wish you happy holidays. Well, thank you very much. Take care, Amy. And again, we're going to continue to follow the story, but I appreciate you folks being willing and, and the Gebbers family being willing to speak out about some of the... And, just from my career in news and doing talk shows and things like that, it's very difficult anytime a, a business uh, or a group is put in the situation that Gebers Farms has been put in legally to be able to say anything. Yet it's at that moment when everybody wants to know what is the real story and wants to hear from somebody. And I know so often it's, you know, lawyers saying, no, don't say anything. We've got to appeal. We've got to protect evidence for in court. And, and I really appreciate that you folks have the guts, even in the face of all the nasty things accusations and risks and possibilities here you're willing to be transparent and talk about what was what was going on and what's really on the Gebers family family's heart I, I think that's really important here too so I commend you folks for being able to being willing to speak out in spite of I'm sure the pressures to oh you know we this is what happens to the farming community time and again. You know, you get served notice of a lawsuit or somebody makes a terrible accusation in the media or, or you know, there's a lot of things that can go on and, and the pressure is immediately to don't say anything. And what we need right now is information and understanding and the real story. And uh, you certainly are sharing that with us this morning. So I appreciate that, I'm a Amy, um, for, for taking the, you, you know, so sticking, your, sticking uh, your neck out to come on the program. You know, the Gebers family really believes in in what it has done to protect workers, and it wants to be open and transparent. So the team there uh, is is working hard to do just that. And, um, you know, we will we will continue to address regulatory issues. But as I said before, what's most important is that the family is a hundred percent committed to continuing to protect its workforce. Again, uh, Gebers Farms spokeswoman Amy Philpott, thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dylan.